Hey, y'all. You're listening to How I Got Here with Drina Whitfield, the podcast that dives deep into the unique journeys of some of the dopest entrepreneurs, business leaders, and personalities I know. I'm your host, Drina Whitfield. I created this podcast to have real, honest conversations about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. Grab your notebook, sit back, relax, and catch these gems. We're back, y'all. And today we are chatting with lifestyle blogger, sneaker connoisseur, and founder and creator of Kicks and Froze, Melissa Canty. She's also the head of global community and communications at Cantu. I'm so excited to have her on How I Got Here. Listen in. So, Melissa, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you on. I'm a little late to the sneakerhead party, so <laughs> I'm I'm really excited to talk to you because I want to know about like just your whole journey to become like this dope ass like influencer and woman killing it in the kicks. Thank you, thank you. But I want to take it all the way back. I like to ask this question of everyone: mm-hmm. When you were graduating high school. What did you write in your yearbook when they asked you, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Oh, I wanted to be a sports commentator. So I just remember saying working for a sports team or ESPN. Like I just knew that I would be a sports commentator. Um, Leaving out of high school, I wrote for our high school um, newspaper. So I did the sports section there and I just knew yearbook staff, all of that. So I really knew that I wanted to be a sports commentator and you couldn't tell me any different um, my <laughs> senior year high school. Is that when you fell in love with sneakers? I fell in love with sneakers at a very young age. So my my parents always kept me and my brother in like in me and cute Air Max and my brother had all the fly Jordans. So it was always kind of instilled in me growing up, always seeing like my dad and his brothers cleaning their sneakers with the toothbrush and teaching us <laughs> how to clean them. So yeah, it's always since I was young, maybe about eight or nine sneakers have always been a part of my life and my cousins, siblings, everyone. I was a tomboy too, growing up around a lot of boy cousins and my brother. So yeah, sneakers are just have been a part of my DNA since a very young age. I love that you brought up the toothbrush because I remember back in the day, put a little Comet cleanser and a little yep. cut, a little water, yep. get, it nice, get, get it a little, your little mixture together and get them Air Maxes or Air Forces or whatever, nice and clean. So what were your first pair of sneakers? The first pair I can remember, of course, are all white Air Force Ones. I had to have a pair, wanted a pair. Those are like my favorite sneakers to this day. They're classic. Everyone needs a pair in their closet. Um, so it was that first Air Force One and the Reebok Classics. Those were the first two my mom would oh, like get me when I can remember. And I just remember like I had to keep them clean. Both pair. You know, with Reebok Classics, I feel like once you wear them a few times, it's like, okay, I need another pair. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to keep those clean all seventh grade uh, was definitely a challenge. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because you know that bleach, it only goes too far. You get a little right. on them Reebok Classics. <laughs> it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Exactly. So how many sneakers do you have to date? Ooh, have? that's a good question. Like right now, how the many last time, The last time that I counted, it was around 120 pairs. I did purge recently. Wait um, a minute. Yes, a lot. <laughs> Wow. A lot of pairs of sneakers. Yeah. That's wild. I love it though. Yeah. So about 120 pairs and then it recently just purged. So 
got rid of some, gave it to my mother-in-law. We were the same size. So she gets first dibs and my cousins before I like try to sell them to like friends and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so about 120 pairs last time I counted. Wow. (laughs) Do you have a favorite pair? My favorite right now, I've been on a Jordan three kick. I've been loving Jordan threes. They came out with some really cool women's releases this year. So I have to say as of right now, those have been my favorites and what I usually kind of go to. I love Nike Sakai's. I love the creativity they did with those with like the double check, the double sold, double mm-hmm. tongue, double laces. Um, it's just very fun and kind of my style. So definitely, I think the Jordan three has been my favorite so far this year. Kind of fluctuates and changes. How many do you, would you say that you buy within a year? Hmm. I'm just really interested in this because you have (laughs) 120 pairs. It's a lot. Sometimes I'm gifted certain pairs. And then, of course, the pairs. I still buy a good bulk of my sneakers. People are always like surprised at that. Probably a year, maybe. I don't know. Depends on like the release year. It can be anywhere from like 20 to 40 pairs in a year, probably. Yeah, probably about probably about 20, though. Probably about 15, 20 pairs in a year. Do you go to the container store and buy those special, um, the boxes? No, I still, I still have mine in boxes. I can't get rid of my shoe boxes for some reason. You keep the boxes? So I keep the boxes, yes. But eventually, I am going to have to switch over to the clear uh, containers from container. Make sure you get I a like partnership. those too. Make sure you get a partnership with them because those right. things are expensive. They're, they're expensive. Yes. So container store, get her a partnership. Yes. Uh, <laughs> hear so the sneaker culture, it used to be such a male dominated community. You know, what steps did you take to establish yourself as an influencer in the sneaker space as a woman, specifically a black woman? So when I kind of started blogging, I started my blog like 10 years ago and I would share like just what I like, um, personal style, beauty, travel, lifestyle blog. And I really didn't share my love for sneakers. I didn't know if, you know, people would be interested in it. And I think one day I just kind of shared what was in my closet and people started asking me like, oh my God, I didn't know you had all these pairs of sneakers. And (laughs) I started talking about them a little more and sharing, you know, outfit inspo with sneakers, how to wear them, where to purchase them, how to get them on the resale market. And I noticed that a lot of women who looked like me, you know, weren't shared on these like bigger sneaker platforms online. And it bothered me for a while. Kicks and Froze kind of came to my mind and I was like, no idea. Go away. I don't have time. Don't have time for you right now. Go away. Have too much going on. And it just kept popping in my head. And I was like, well, you know, I can, you know, kind of start the Instagram page maybe and just get some conversation going. Um, I'm not seeing, you know, I would tag all these pages and no one would ever share anyone that kind of looked like me mm-hmm. when it came to sneaker style. I didn't really see a lot of black and brown women. So that's what kind of led me into creating Kicks and Pros, just wanting a platform for women to express their sneaker style, for women to see and, you know, see and hear from women who are just like them, who love sneakers, have this passion for sneakers, or women that are seeking sneaker knowledge or just want to simply buy a pair of comfortable, cool kicks and learn how to wear them. So that's kind of where the idea came from of just not seeing as, as many women in the space. 
um, and wanting to start that conversation, meeting guys and talking to them all the time about sneakers, about certain releases. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, once I started doing that, like putting myself in those conversations and attending panels and workshops and things like that, that's how it kind of grew into what it what it is today. Again, like I said, I just wanted a space where I could share and talk to women about sneakers and, and share our love for sneakers. And it's grown into an amazing community with with a great support system. We sell merch. We have around 13,000 followers on Instagram. We have a newsletter. Um, hopefully, once it's safe again, we're able to host some events in Charlotte, North Carolina. So just trying to cultivate that community for, for brown and black women who, who are in the sneaker space, who love the sneaker space, who are looking to get into it. Or, or just want to like rock fly kicks and, and, and figure out how to buy them. What would you say has like helped contribute to the success of Kicks and Froze? I would say kind of just bringing my community in and, and, and allowing people to, you know, talk to me, um, allowing myself to assert myself in certain conversations, asking questions. I think a lot of times I don't like Kicks and Froze is being bought up in rooms like I'm not even in, um, which is is so I'm so thankful and so honored that, that people even think of us like that. But I think it's just the community of women that rallied around me and supported the brand and supported the community that has gotten us to where we are. Because if, if it weren't for them kind of supporting and wanting to help like women reaching out, like, how can I help you? Like, I know this is growing fast. I know it's just you. Like, what can I do to help? And I think that's really kind of propelled um, Kicks and Froze to to where it is today and kind of where it's going. When when did you realize, like, you know what, this is, I have something here. This is like, there's women that are really interested in this to the point where you were like, okay, maybe we can start selling some merch. How did you deal with that growth spurt? Yeah. So the the whole merch thing, I was going to a sneaker ball in Atlanta and I remember seeing a friend have a pouch that said brunch money. And I was like, oh, I could put sneaker money on a pouch to wear to the sneaker ball in Atlanta. That would be cool and something different. I know nobody else would have. So I like get me a little canvas pouch. I had like a machine here at home to create the the letters for the pouch. And I, I wore it there and I reposted the photo to Kicks and Froze and people were just DMing us like crazy. Like, where can I buy this? And I was like, oh, well, we aren't selling anything. But, um, you know, maybe soon we will be or we'll t- I'll teach you how to make it. I always, even when I had like a small business before with Melissa Chanel, it all came from a DIY of trying to teach my community how to make things. And it's like people don't want to to make it. They just want to buy it. Yeah. So it started with that sneaker money pouch. And I noticed like, oh, you know, I'm getting a lot of people are interested. So I did like some pre-orders and it got to the point where I would, I, I, I still work a full-time job, nine to five. So I would be out of town for work and I would have, he was my boyfriend at the time, my now husband, like making sneaker money pouches at home <laughs> while, I, while I was out of town. And I was like, yeah, no, we have to figure something out because this is getting a little too big for us just to do at home. So I would say that was maybe around 2019 where I started to realize like, oh, you can really create some merch and you can really get some chatter going around the brand. 
that's what we did. I dabbled in merch a little bit with my personal brand, like t-shirts um, a few years ago. So started with some crew neck sweatshirts and t-shirts and wanted to see, you know, how it, how it would do. And now we have like all kinds of things, shoelace, shoelace tags. We have socks, tote bags, sweatshirts, t-shirts, you name it. We probably have it in, in our kicks and froze merch store. So it's, it's been growing. It's been good. Community has been given great ideas on what they want to see next. So that's always awesome and exciting when you know you have something good because people start asking you for things or wanting you to create um, mm-hmm. certain they want more. Yeah, they want more. So yeah, started around in, like in 2019 of this, you know, seeing how this pouch did or seeing how the t-shirt did and kind of grew really, really fast from there. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So exciting. And fun. I get to, you know, kind of create different sweatshirts, different designs. So that's the fun and exciting part for me. And it's also stuff you will wear. So you right, know, like right. you're designing for your ideal consumers yourself because you're like, I'm speaking to myself, essentially, and other women like me. Exactly. Exactly. So that makes it a little bit easier to, mm-hmm. you know, oh, what, what would I like or what do I want to see? From as far as merch, as far as like sneaker style, street style. Um, so, yeah, that's always fun to come up with new concepts and ideas. Tell me a little bit about some of your favorite sneaker apps, because, listen, I'm always late. I'm it's always here. late. The sneaker app, I will have it in my cart. Yeah. 10 o'clock will hit. And then it's like I put it through and then I get an email that I wasn't chosen. So yeah, tell me about and go, you know, go just be marking up. Right. I'm not yes. trying to. I have a specific pair of sneakers that I always try to get every time there's a new drop. And I'm always in a paying a lot of money. So tell me a little bit about your favorite sneaker apps, how you stay like in the know outside of people just gifting you, because I'm sure brands are gifting you some pairs now. Yeah, I usually sneakers, of course, it's a hit or miss. Sometimes you're good and you get a win. This morning, I didn't. Everyone thinks like, oh, you always win. I'm like, no, I have a whole (laughs) Rolodex of all the L's I've taken this year. Um, So I don't always, always get a W. But of course, you have eBay. They have a really good resale. Goat. Uh, StockX, those are like the really good kind of resale apps that you can kind of trust um, that I kind of always go to. A lot of times you have you can look at other websites like in the UK when sneakers drop there, you're able we were able to secure a pair, but it was a website from the UK that we knew it was a, it was a sneaker mm-hmm. store. Um, and then you have a few sneaker boutiques. So social status here in Charlotte is a black owned sneaker boutique. Um, they do raffles. They get a lot of the latest like Jordan releases and Nike and Adidas releases um, and New Balance. So I go there a lot and sign up for raffles, um, in-person raffles. And if the sneaker didn't um, sell out, sometimes they'll still have pairs in there. Uh, Request is another sneaker boutique here in Charlotte. You can sell to them, too. So if you get a pair of sneakers that you got a W on, but you really didn't want them, or you know, you can really make some money off of them. That's the kind of boutique you can go to. You can sell there, you can purchase there, you can sell used, you can purchase used. So locally, it's really great to find those boutiques that kind of 
get the latest and greatest that you're looking for. And they have raffles and they do things where a lot of times social status, if it's a women's release, they'll let women get them. So I I love places like that. But yeah, it's really how it was years ago compared to now with bots and and things out of your control. Mm -hmm. It's very hard when it comes to sneaker releases and the hype around sneakers right now. Everybody wants the latest hype sneaker. Everyone wants to be comfortable right now with like COVID and this whole new life of of being like chic, but comfortable. So it is very extremely hard. You have to be up, set your alarms, be ready, have friends. I'm trying to get, I have my mama sometimes trying to get sneakers. She's like, okay, now which ones now? Okay, they're they're yellow with a little gray. Okay, I see them. I got you. So yeah, it's hard out here. The struggle is real, but the sneakers app, of course, like local stores, JD Sports, Dicks. A lot of people don't think to go there. Dicks? Yeah. Yep. Dicks, JD Sports, mm-hmm. East Bay. Uh, a lot of people go to Nike first and the sneakers at first. So sometimes if you go to, you know, your Hibbit Sports, your local hometown um, kind of sports academy stores, they'll have them released there as well. And you're able to snag a pair quicker. I'm gonna look into that. I'm gonna try it. It's a whole, it's a whole method. And every sometimes my friends will be like, Melissa, I want these. Like, what do I need to do? Like, be straight up with me. What is the probability <laughs> that I'm gonna get them? I was like, Yeah, don't get your hopes up too high, okay? And not pay a lot of like crazy money. Right. Not play a lot of resale money. And and a yeah. lot of times, like you said, with GOAT and, and StockX, you can um you know, you can bid on certain sneakers. So a lot of times mm-hmm. if you have the time to go back and forth and bid, you can do that. But I, I understand the struggle is real for me too. Um, but those are just some of the apps I use. And, I'm and a try. Jordan, I'm a Jordan four girl. So I like the fours mm-hmm. and I like the different colors and the different, you know, partnerships that they, and those things be so hard to so get. And then it's like, I'm not trying to pay $600 for a six, a kid six. That's all yes. I need is a kid six. Yes. The resale market is is so crazy. It's, it's wild. I need to it is so that. crazy. Um, so you also have a pretty big job at Cantu. So how do you balance working your corporate job with building out and continuing the momentum behind kicks and fro, but also your personal brand? How do you it's juggle how how are you out here juggling all three of them? I don't know. I don't know. I try very hard. I do have help. Have a little help. Have someone that helps me with kicks and pros, with a lot of the social media and, and that type of stuff and newsletter and things like that. I have an assistant for Melissa Chanel to just kind of keep me on track and making sure, you know, deliverables for partnerships are getting sent in on time. So that's very helpful for me, but trying to find, I I feel like I'm always trying to find, you know, that balance or that sweet spot. Of course, um, I feel like Kicks and Froze and Melissa Chanel, they both have their seasons. Um, It's a Kicks and Froze season right now. So my focus is kind of there. Um, I can't be, I can't do everything and be everywhere all the time, especially with a a full-time nine to five job that, you know, it's very demanding. And sometimes I'm working later into the evenings or early in the mornings. I have to travel for work. So just trying to stay organized. I I try to maximize my time. So 
if I need to use lunch breaks to record a podcast like like here or <laughs> early in the morning um, to shoot for a campaign at 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. And a lot of my weekends are, are kind of spent working on Kicks and Bros and Melissa Chanel. So I don't get a whole ton of, of free time. I try to like schedule it out and balance it out. Um, my husband helps me a lot with Kicks and Bros. So I'm thankful to kind of have it running smoothly. And I kind of know when the when the seasons kind of kick off and, and start there with our busy season, but it's hard to balance it all. It's hard to try yeah. to, you know, stay organized. And I would be not telling the truth if I said, oh, I have it all figured out. I am balanced. Everything <laughs> is good. I keep, you know, a tight schedule, but, but no, I'm learning. I have accountability partners, that, you know, friends that I'm close to. And, you know, we have meetings and keep each other on track and talk about, you know, what we're going through in our, in our small businesses or, you know, anything I'm going, trying to figure out with full-time jobs and running my small businesses. So accountability partners are very important to me. Asking for help when I need it is something that I'm working on because I I try very hard to just do things myself and not ask for help. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to get better at that and I'm I'm doing a better job now, but yes, it's very hard to ask for help. So I'm working on asking for help. I have my accountability partners. I have a notebook. I can't leave home without a notebook. I need to write everything down all of the time, all of the lists, and, and a calendar to kind of keep me on track as well, um, merged with my you know full-time job calendar just to kind of keep me on track. But those things help me. I, I don't have it all figured out. I feel that it's seasons. I work in seasons. So right now is a really big season for our kicks and pros and, and Cantu is is doing some really big things to kick off the year. So I'm really busy with that. My blog is suffering a little bit uh, over on Melissa Chanel, but it's okay. It's going to be a season for that and, and, and she'll be back on track. Um, I miss writing a little bit for, for my blog, and creative kind of free flow style writing. So hopefully I can get there. So tell me a little bit about your journey to your position at Cantu. That is, it's so interesting. People are always like, what is so crazy when I tell them this? So I actually came to, I met them. I moved to New York. I was like, maybe almost 10 years ago. Almost, yeah, almost like 10 years ago. Now I moved there for a job. I was working as a social media um, specialist. And I remember I hadn't been there for a week and Cantu invited me to an event, a local event. It was a breakfast, a PR breakfast. I went to the breakfast, met some really cool people. I was like, it was all these cool, amazing people. And it was me and like publications. And I'm like, what am I doing here with all these like dope ass (laughs) people and like publications and editors. And it was just so eye opening and so crazy. And I was so thankful to just be in the room talk to people, give out my business card. And um, I knew Cantu. I was an organic user of the brand. So I'm guessing that's how they found me from just using the brand organically. And I kept in touch with them. I worked an event with them later that year as well. I was so bummed because I really wanted to go on this work trip. I really wanted to go on this work trip for my full-time job at the time. And I didn't get selected to go. And I was so bummed about it. 
like so upset and like Cantu hit me up to work on something that same weekend. And I'm like, Todd, I see you. This is why I didn't go. Because you had, you had something else planned. I see you. I just needed to be patient. So I worked that event. It was a, a family dollar event. I worked that event with Cantu's director at the time. And, you know, we kind of, after that, we kind of kept in touch. We worked hard that weekend, but we kind of kept in touch. I then became an ambassador for the brand. They had a group of women that were ambassadors. Then I became the national ambassador. So I traveled a lot for Cantu, educating women on their hair, on the products, how to use the products the correct way, sampling opportunities. I was just all over just educating women on, on Cantu. And after that year, they kind of came to me like, can you come work for us? And I was like, hmm. I was, at the time, I was my first year working as like a full-time content creator. So I worked my full year as a full-time content creator. And they came and asked me for me to come in full-time with them. And I kind of, she told me to think about it. I kind of went back and forth. I was, you know, giving up a lot of my free time to work on of my stuff, but I felt like it was still a lot that I needed to learn at the time. I felt like it was a lot about that particular industry that I was very interested in, and I wanted to learn more about how products were developed, you know, more about the community aspect and, and working with content creators and the communications aspect from a hair care brand perspective. Um, so I said, yeah, and that was four years ago, <laughs> and I'm still still there. Um, and now I am the head of community and communication. So I kind of manage our agency partners. I work um, globally with our teams in other countries, other areas, making sure that we have the same cohesive message across the board, um, making sure they have all the deliverables and everything they need, work on photo shoots, brand partnerships with influencers and celebrities. I'm learning so much about um, the the new product development process of developing something new from scratch. Um, so it's been a lot of fun working at Cantu. I've, I've been learning so much about Cantu, the brand, and just about the community and, and Black women in this space, in the hair care industry and in the hair care space. Um, we all know we love our hair and we always at a beauty supply store, at a Sally at a Walmart and somewhere <laughs> spending some money on some hair products. So it's always good to see that we can create certain things that are accessible for a lot of women from the dollar store all the That's way fair. up into, you know, your targets. So it's so cool to, you know, develop product and see, um, cultivate community for, for women who look like me. Now you said you started as a ultimately became a national ambassador before they asked you to come in-house. Yes. When you were the national ambassador, did you still have a full-time job? No, no. I was working, yes, for for myself. So you had quit, so you quit your job. Yep. I quit my job. I was, um, I was then back in Charlotte by that time. I was working for like a rug and home decor company as their social media manager. So I left my job there because I knew I would have to travel a lot for this position. And I had a couple of clients that I was, you know, I was okay if I if I needed to, uh-huh. you know, have work. I already had that kind of set up. But yeah, so I'd, I've been working for myself. I quit my job. I was working for myself for a year. And when they came and I, I felt like I needed to take that opportunity and it would be a great one. And still there. I love how you glossed over that. 
Yeah. <laughs> like you, you quit your job, yeah. your full-time job to become a full-time content creator yes. for a brand. That's rare. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. How did that feel? It felt great. It felt great to just be able to do something for myself. I feel like, you know, I have that entrepreneurship really runs through my blood. My dad owns his own barbershop. Um, my uncle runs his own business. Both of my uncles, my dad's brothers, they run their own businesses. They always kind of have. So that's kind of been in me. And it felt so great. Yes. Yeah. It felt so great to, and my mom's like just a hustler by nature. So I get that like hustle mentality from her for sure. Um, But just, just knowing that I did this, there's something I wanted to do. I planned it out. And I was able to quit my job and and just work for myself. Um, I talked to my mom about it. I had this plan. She was excited for me. And I kind of went ahead. I, I remember going to church like that Sunday before. And our pastor talking about like taking the leap. And I'm like, okay. Like, I mean, <laughs> I'm like, so he like just tore me all the way up because I felt like he was speaking directly. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. And that was the last. The confirmation was right there. Um, So, yeah, so it was it was it was great. I learned a lot in that year of entrepreneurship. It taught me, you know, how to navigate things now with a full time job. But, yeah, so I worked for them, worked with them for a year and, and did my own thing for a year. And then I decided I wanted to learn more on the inside. So. Uh, they're very flexible. They they didn't want me to stop my blog and stop the things that I was doing. So that's always great because you don't know yeah. full time employment how how they'll re- react to you having other you know other things going on. But they're like, no, you don't have to stop your blog. You know, keep things going how you do. And they're very supportive of all all the many things that I have going on. I love that. Because, you know, sometimes it's hard for folks who've been operating as an entrepreneur or a solopreneur for so long, and then they go back in house somewhere and they feel like constrict, like confined to like just the guidelines of the company. They can't, they have, they can't do anything with their personal brand. They have to like remove their whole business from its existence because now they have to focus on this. The fact that they've let you come in and they're like, yeah. still keep doing what you're doing. Keep killing it and do the work. That's dope and rare. Right, right. Very, very dope and very rare. And and we're a small but mighty team. We work together very well. All of us work from home. So that's different to a different dynamic. I'm I'm in Atlanta. I'm I'm in Charlotte. We have Demetria, who's our VP of marketing in Atlanta. We have our director who's in Connecticut, where our offices are, and our director of sales who's in LA. So we're all spread out. We meet up for meetings. We, you know, meet up for events, but we get a lot of work done, even though, you know, we're home and kind of spread out. Oh, wow. That's so, so as a creative, you know, you're always, you're always happy to be on when you're not focused on your nine to five. I'm talking about your personal brand and kicks and pros. What do you do when you have a creative hiatus? Like what are some tips that you, you can recommend to pull yourself back into the, like your creative space? Cause a lot of creatives go through that. Yes. Yes. I always kind of pull myself back, take a break, take a second, stop whatever it is I'm doing 
go, I like to go for a walk or take bubble baths, like focus on me pouring back into me. Cause I feel like it's something off when, you know, I kind of have my weeks of that creative rut or, you know, I can't Mm -hmm. figure something out. I step away from it. I step away from it, close my notebook, laptop, whatever I need, take that space and that time I need. Also, I know it's it's been hard right now due to COVID, but scheduling some kind of vacations or, or somewhere where you're not creating. Mm-hmm. I, I saw this kind of like statement circling around the internet saying like creatives need days to where they're not doing nothing at all, like nothing. Um, because your your mind is just going nonstop and you're just creating nonstop and your your energy need to replenish that energy. So having that time away of like not doing nothing or watching something mindless on on TV or Mm -hmm. taking that bubble bath or, or, you know, going on a trip, like going out of town or going somewhere where it's a beach that kind of helps, you know, refuel me, refuel me, pour back into myself, my energy, but also like meet my creativity. Um, so I'm all I always say step back, give yourself grace. Don't feel like, you know, you have to keep up with anybody else. Do what mm-hmm. you came to do, what you want to do, your style of, of of sharing, of teaching, of educating, of, you know, whatever it is you do as a content creator, like just stick to your true authentic self. I think that helps as well because you're not as don't feel as pressured to do things or pressure to show up in a certain way when you're just being your authentic raw self and sharing authentically online. I think that, you know, helps as well with, with your creativity level, with, you know, you not falling into these creative ruts all the time, but definitely taking that time away, taking that step away, closing your notebook or laptop for a day or two, just to kind of decompress. Taking that time for you, having a nighttime routine and a morning routine. That's something that's helped me. And I didn't know how much I needed them. I would have them and I would like halfway do them sometimes. You know, sometimes you're just tired, just getting to bed. Sometimes you're like, okay, no, I need to do this. But now I know like my morning routine and my nighttime routine like set me up for the day or night. And it's definitely what I need to kind of keep me going, especially with my, with my process of like creative thinking, because my mind is like always going. But when I take those two little moments for myself in the morning and the evenings, definitely helps for sure. What um, tips would you suggest for budding content creators when they're thinking about just, I guess, they've captured the content. Now it's trying to schedule it out or get it out on different platforms. What the methods have you used to really create a system for yourself to stay organized, but also to stay relevant? I love Google Docs. My team has gotten me on the Google Docs wave. Full time, we use a lot of Box and Dropbox and all those things. But Google Docs definitely keeps me kind of organized when it comes to like, you know, my reels and TikToks versus static images, caption, copy, post. We have like calendars that we kind of create for for ourselves internally as with my small team just to kind of get everything in one spot. So I love Google Docs. I love Calendly for like scheduling meetings. I also do like one-on-one um, boss talk sessions. So having Calendly like to schedule those out has been very helpful as well. Um, Later is an app that I use to schedule content on Kicks and Pros and Melissa Chanel. So 
I work that I work nine to five. I can't be on these apps as regular <laughs> as like I used to or as regular as some content creators are. So making sure that I have things scheduled to go out, like you might think you that I'm on the app live, but a lot of times like I've sketched I've recorded, pre-recorded those stories a week ago. And I post them on those certain days. I've I've already, you know, shot the content weeks ago and and I share it. So batch shooting and and creating in in batches help me, especially when working full time or having multiple businesses. Batch shooting is is great. So I'll batch shoot with with my photographer that I work with locally. If I'm trying to get a lot of, you know, outfits shot, I'll batch shoot with him. And then I'll work with my assistant on video content. So she lives in North Carolina too. She'll come over. We'll create about five or six reels and TikToks and Mm -hmm. I'm ready to go. And I'm pretty set for about a month. That's some kind of things that I put in place and some apps I use to kind of keep me scheduled and kind of on time and make sure I'm hitting those marks. And a lot of times with, when it comes to being like a new content creator, First of all, start where you are. Tell them. Feed all this crazy, like all this crazy equipment. You need a ring light. You need a new um, camera. You need all this. No, start with your iPhone. Start with a tripod from Amazon. You can take your pictures yourself outside or in your house um, at any time. So start there and and create and don't overthink it. I think a lot of times as content creators, you're trying to perfect it. You're trying to overthink it. Just show up as your, your authentic self and share what you feel like um, is important to you and also what your community asks you for. So I like to listen to your community. They're going to ask you for the content they want to see. So anytime they're like, oh, do you have shoes for the fall or sneakers to be look out for in the fall? I'm like, oh, perfect. I can do a video on that or I can do a blog post on that. So just really listen to your community and your audience and let them kind of tell you as well is, you know, your stuff that you love, but also let them kind of tell you too of the different things that they want to see. And don't, don't think too deeply, have fun. Like if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. Like you should be having fun, creating the things that you want to create, bringing these ideas to life and sharing that journey with, with your audience and with your community. I love that. Because, you know, the way that social media has evolved, sometimes it can make it not fun because folks feel like they have to have a perfect photo uh, that's, you know, stylized. They have to have, you know, a witty caption. Back in the day, I look, I scroll all the way down to my Instagram. I'm like, Dreamer, what the hell was you out here posting? I used to take pictures of my plates, like, look at the scene. Or it's just some random caption that made no sense. And it's supposed to be just a fun platform. And now it's just like over glamorized, which is dope. But for folks who are like looking to break into becoming content creators or influencers, I think they're overthinking it and not doing it with love and fun. And like you said, the content that their audience wants to hear or see. Because I feel, and brands see that. They can tell when you're being authentic and you're being yourself and and they love that. So don't think you have to, you know, show up as someone else or, you know, show up like someone else. Even if you, you know, you don't even see a lot of people that do the things that you do. That's great. Continue to do it. Continue to, you know, share that content because it's always, you know, 
those brands look for that. They look for that authenticity. They look for the people who are very organic, how they, you know, put the product in there or talk about the product to their audience in an organic way. It doesn't even feel like an ad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, w- I always say like, continue to be you. Don't show up as anyone else and, and do what you feel makes you happy, that's fun to create, um, that makes you excited. Something that you can share a story and experience from. Those are all, all great ways to kind of get started. It's so crazy how things have grown now when it comes to being an influencer or a content creator. I remember when I first started and getting like my cousin to take pictures of me or my mom. They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you? They didn't really understand. Nobody did. Because it was mm-hmm. like, it was just blogs at the time. Instagram wasn't out yet. And I was like, I'm trying to create this community online. Like, Women come to me a lot for like outfit or where to shop or, you know, what to use on their hair. So I'm just trying to create a community online so and, and see if I can, you know, one day get paid for it or pick up become my job. And that all came from a friend that, you know, after college, it was very hard in, in 2008 to get a job anywhere. And she was like, you just start blog. People come to you all the time and they can just go there. And so that's what I did. And I didn't kind of worry about anyone else. I kind of focused on that and what I wanted to do. It was fun. I love keeping my writing sharp. I love taking pictures. So that was a plus. And then, you know, my journey began of just sharing other parts of me. So just start. Don't think too deep into it. I always tell people, just start. You have all the tools you need. You have a cell phone. You have internet access. All you have to do is just start. And speak to how many years it took you to get to this place, because a lot of we live in such an instant gratification world now where folks are like, oh, I started a page. I started a business a year ago or five months ago. And I want to be popping now. Yes. I want the 20,000 followers. How I get that. You know, they don't understand the time that it's taken. Right. It's a journey. It's a process, just like, you know, anything is. And I've been. Next year will make 10 years I'll be blogging. Like I've oh, had my wow. blog, like my Melissa Chanel blog for 10 years. Yes. Um, so that's, thank you. That's exciting. You're I, OG I, out here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I've been doing it for a while now. So just like seeing the development of like blogging grow, seeing like social media come into play and like how that works, it's, it has become a full on business now on how people can, they're like, Oh, I want to be a content creator. And it's like, uh, everybody's like, Oh yeah, that'll be great for you. Like, no, it's no doubt in the mind. Like what? It's a whole kind of job and it's a whole career path now that you Mm -hmm. can take to create content and, and share your life online, which is so crazy to me. But yeah, I've been around for 10 plus years Starting out, like I tell a lot of people, starting out, you're you're doing it for fun. You're doing it for the love of it. You're not doing it. Don't think of it as I'm going into this to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to love it and have the passion for it first, and the money will come. It's not going to come instantly. It's not going to come in a few months. I want to say I have been blogging probably for about two and a half to three years before I got a paid opportunity. My first paid opportunity, it was $300. It was for a hair care brand. It wasn't um, Cantu, but it was for a hair care brand where 
I went into a Walmart and I was um, shopping the aisle with women as they came in, talking to them about the products. It was really cool. And that was like my first gig. And that's when I knew like, oh my God, I can like (laughs) get serious and like make money from this. This can be my job. Like what I love doing every day. It's grown so much. And now you can make way more money um, with, with social media and just having multiple platforms and using all of those platforms. It's so crazy to where now you can become a millionaire off of content creating. For sure. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. Crazy. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Do you think, you know, you will eventually go back to being a full-time content creator, continuing to build your creative empire? Is that uh, the hope? <laughs> I think so. I think I I think I would want to work for myself again at some point. Um, I'm not sure when that is. I love, like I said, I love the work that I do with Cantu and the team that I work with. Um, but yeah, maybe, it, I'm not sure when, but maybe kind of getting back out there and um, becoming full-time again, or I have my Canty Media Group. Maybe it's that, that kind of expands and grows into like an agency and we kind of work with brands to kind of help them develop stories and and, and their kind of online community and cultivate that community online. So that can be, I have all types of ideas that like run through my head each and every day. I'm like, what is wrong? I write it down because I'm like, okay, this is for later. This is not for right now. This is for later. As long as you write it down. Yeah, I'll write, I'll write all the ideas down. But we have some exciting things happening with Kicks of Rose. So I'm excited to see where that can go and how Kicks of Rose continues to grow um, with, with merchandise and, you know, with other like sneaker related content and hopefully one day a podcast for, for Kicks of Rose. So we have some exciting things going and I'm excited to see where where these things I'm working on now take us in, like you said, the next five years. Um, but yeah, maybe back full-time entrepreneurship is something that we'll dive into, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to look out for it. I'm going to stay tuned and, and, you know, see what's happening over these next couple of years with you. Because yes. I, I feel like you might you might come back to the full-time entrepreneurship yeah. journey. Yeah, I know it's all it's it's in me. It's always been there. Um, it's a lot you to have, learn. You have a family history with yeah, it, the so. family history is there. Still a lot to learn there. I'm learning so much just um, like as I've been working, of course, on Melissa Chanel, but now bringing Kicks and Froze into the mix. Learning so much about you know entrepreneurship and you know business and you know how to take it to the next level. So I'm excited. What's the best piece of advice or your own personal mantra that you have really relied on over these last couple of years as you've been juggling the corporate world, as you've been building out kicks and froze and your own personal brand? Like what's the one piece of, you know, everyone has their thing that they remind themselves over and over. That's like their, their, their internal message. What's that for you? For me, it's always been, it's only one you. So no one's going to show up like you. No one's going to create content like you. No one can be you. So focus on on what you have and what you give, what you give to your community, what you give to your audience. Focus on that and everything else will will fall into place. So I always, I always tell people that no one can do it like you do it. Um, I think a lot of times we 
worry about the noise, what everyone else has going on, what they're doing. Oh, they're doing this, they're doing that. But if you focus on you and know that no one can do it like you do it, and that your audience and, and your customers come to you for a very specific reason, I think that, you know, sky's the limit for you. You you take out all the noise, you take out all the extra people or comparisons. But yeah, I think that that's definitely it. Thank you. I love that. All right. Last question, because this is something I really want to know from someone who has 120 pairs of sneakers. (laughs) Best tip. Give me a cleaning tip for the sneakers. Specifically, um, like what's your go-to, like I, I got a stain or a grass stain or a pen mark on a sneaker? So we love Crep Protect in our house. So they have sneaker cleaner. They I'm have wipes. Um, they have wipes. So I, I really love the wipes um, because we can throw them in our purse and, you know, I can wipe them off if I'm out or doing something. And they have a sneaker protector you can spray before you even, you know, go outside. But stay tuned because Kicks and Bros maybe could working on. Oh, okay. We might have something coming up. I'm right here now. For that. <laughs> right now, Protect is is what I use. But okay. I also see that it wasn't a lot of, you know, sneaker cleaners kind of directed at women. So I'm gonna see what we can make. Up. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> exciting. Yes. I'm into so that. I can't wait to see. Because now I know. Yes. Nuggets, something's coming. Okay. (laughs) I'm working on it. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had fun talking with you and hearing about your journey. I'm excited to see what's next for you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we will definitely keep in touch. Yay.